Yes, sir. You already know what time it is. What's this? Episode 70? 70. Episode 70, baby. It's your boys back again. The Face Value Podcast reporting live from Chicago, Illinois. You already know it's your boy St. Ick, a.k.a. Ichabod Crane, man. My man, Kurt the King, like we always do. Every Monday. We got a special guest with us today, though. Hell yeah, yo. We got one of the premier voices in DIY music, man. DIY hip-hop hip music in Chicago, man. He writes for the Chicago Reader amongst other uh, internet like platforms and shit, man. So we got our boy Jack Reedy in here today. Jack, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for having me, y'all. I'm, I'm flattered. That was that was a, quite the intro. Thank you. Happy uh, to be here. I, I practiced it, man, but I like stumbled through it. They, <laughs> that's because they jinxed me because I was, I was doing it earlier today. Curse, like, you been practicing, man? You know what's... <laughs> What's funny is he did it perfect right before we started, and I said, "I said this shit's just like skating when you're trying to film a trick. Once the camera comes on, you know you're about to stumble through that shit." And, the, and then we're just all staring at him while he's trying to do it. So I know oh, that man. didn't make him feel better. Putting oh. that pressure on me, man. I shouldn't even have said nothing. You did decent for one take. That's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was great. Yeah, man. So first, we're gonna get into some questions with Jack, man. Get to know our boy a little bit better, man. Um, first and foremost, man, I know, I know that it's look by just looking at what you cover and what you write about, man, it look like you have a very eclectic sense of music, man. How'd you first start getting into music in general? Man, I would have to think like the first music I remember like being into was stuff that my parents had, you know, I remember like the Beatles a lot. Uh, but I remember as far as hip hop goes, it was really Kanye and 50 doing the 2007, Oh, like yeah, the sales beef. battle, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, looking back, is like they're on the same label. It's just like a marketing thing. But mm-hmm. I was like twelve, right? So I was totally like in on this feud, and so I bought Graduation Day One. I think I got the censored CD, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, you know, and that was really like hitting for me at the time. Which you know, can't tell me nothing was huge and good life and all that. And then fifty had like AO <laughs> technology. Yeah, yeah, it was like an exciting time. And then, like, tuning into that kind of stuff just in time for uh, 808s to come out and that sort of, like, new wave to come up with Drake and Cuddy and stuff like that. Um, You know, that was, like, when I was in early high school. So that was really, like, opportune timing to be into those dudes. So uh, that was kind of how I first, like, started getting into, like, paying attention to music, I guess. Um, And then really, like, since moving to Chicago in 2018, it's been really fun to get to know, like, you know, people that are doing a DIY and independent and things like that. Obviously, there's been a lot of great indie Chicago artists for years and years now, but uh, I feel like it just keeps growing and growing. So it's really exciting to be paying attention and until uh, recently going to shows all the time. I and, know, and right? Enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. So it's killing me not to get to go out to shows, but it's been fun to uh, stay inside, tune into live streams, check up on my podcast, you know, all that. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. You said uh, moving to Chicago in 2018. Where were you at before that? So I grew up in the northwest suburbs um, and had always wanted to, you know, end up in Chicago as my goal. So I got out of college in 2017 and then moved to Chicago soon after. So I was living in Indiana while I was going to school. And then it was kind of like, I don't want to say childhood, but lifelong dream come true was like, all right, 
living in Chicago, going to shows every night, you know, kind of soaking it all up. So, uh, always been close to the Midwest and stuck around, but it was really nice to finally like be here and, and living in the city for real. Hell yeah, I feel you. When you, I know for me personally, when I first moved to the city, man, just like going to like like you said, all the shows and shit there opened me up to like so much shit, man. So already because I'm from the south suburbs, so I already know how that is when you come when you first get here, man. Yeah, it feels like you're so used to making it in the city as like an occasion and like an event, right? And exactly. Then once you start living here and you get to get really familiar with like, oh no, that's my corner store. That's my grocery store you know it's not just like oh i'm coming in on the train for the day because i got you know an event happening in chicago you just live here it's nice to kind of feel like you're just living there and you're a resident now yeah and that's like how i even really got in tune with like the diy shit because i remember like i would go to shows at like sub t take the train in go to the metro or some shit but like when you really when you first move here that's when you really start going to like the diy spots remember like animal kingdom and shit like that situations and shit like that club rectum (laughs) well that's the thing about chicago they uh they might not all be great but before this pandemic situation you could really go see a live show every night of the week yeah man there was always some some show some live music so i I think it'll come back strong once this is over because these venues are like thirsty to have you know people again you know they're holding on by like a thread so as soon as as soon as it's ready the shows will be popping and bands and artists They've been dormant for over, like almost a year now. They're gonna want to perform yeah, so it's, bad. Shit's gonna be saturated. My motherfuckers gonna be thirsty to get back on the stage. It's gonna be shows every weekend. Oh yeah, I I would love to see some sort of like local based festival come out of it. You know, once everybody can actually like be in shows and be together all at once. Like I would love to see a Chicago festival that is specifically like local acts. And obviously, there are all kinds of like smaller things like that that pop up throughout you know the year i remember going to tomorrow never knows which was like in retrospect the last big concerts i was a part of uh in january but you know i would love to see like everybody that's been sitting in chicago for a year now hoping to play like their album release show or you know their mixtape release show whatever it is just like do it all at once like one big weekend yeah (laughs) all locals all the time Hell yeah. That's something I could see Empty Bottle and Sub-T putting together. Because they always book the best stages at all those festivals anyway. Like the Sub-T and Empty Bottle stages always have really good acts. Yeah, and that's what's tough about the fact that venues are hanging on. is like It's those independent venues that know how to book people and, and already have the connections locally. Um, Civil, I think, is the name of the organization. I forget exactly what it stands for, but it's Chicago's independent venues. And like that's the kind of stuff that I hope can survive whatever situation they're in currently so that when they're back, it's not just like, Oh, your options to see a show are the, uh, white castle, DePaul arena and the United center and the, you know, all the right. big corporate spots. Hell yeah. You yeah, see, definitely. You see flat iron from the start doing shows when we get back. Well, the, remember that place, the crazy ass place we saw Griselda. Yeah. On the, division. Uh, yeah. Bourbon on division. The dude that owns that spot bought flat iron. So he's basically trying to turn it into like that bourbon on division. So that's what it used to be. They used to do shows. It was like it. the note or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, like Perry mentioned in that amazing intro, you uh, write for the reader primarily. How did you fall into working with Chicago Reader? The reader again. That kind of felt like a like a suburbanite dream because I remember, and I like put this in a 
in a job application letter to them one time when they were hiring and like I had no chance of, of getting like a full time job with them. But like, you know, you come in from the burbs and you see the reader in the boxes and it's like something you kind of take home with you and you get this tease of like, oh, there's all these events happening and, and theater and personal ads and all this stuff. that's like this whole little portal. So I always thought the reader was the coolest thing. And, uh, you know, I applied for a job one time that never heard back from, uh, I think while I was still in college even. And then I was out of school for like six months and I had a couple story ideas that I thought would, you know, maybe really work with the reader. And one that really fit with timing was I wanted to cover a video shoot by these guys called New Trash that do like low budget, super cool artsy videos. And they were doing a shoot with Mother Nature, who was a group that I've been paying attention to for a while. Oh, shout out Mother Nature. Yeah, and I was like, okay, boom, like, I think this is, like, a good pitch, and so I basically cold emailed Lior, uh, the Mighty Mighty Lior, who is the a staff writer at The Reader, Hell yeah. uh, and he was like, yeah, I can put you in touch with Philip, the editor, and basically, like, no questions asked, got me the contact info, and they're like, yeah, this sounds good, let's do it, and so looking back, I didn't think that it was maybe an inefficient way to start out with them was doing a, like, 12-hour video shoot as my first story like you don't have to put yourself through that you know uh <laughs> i wasn't really i wasn't really prepared for the you know video shoots are a, are a longer thing than uh i think people anticipate until you're actually there so it was fun to be a part of it but in retrospect i'm like damn i was like really on it for them for that first that first story <laughs> you know so yeah it's been great uh, that was like december ish 2018 and so i've been writing for them on and off since and like they've come and gone as a as like an entity in terms of publication they're in the process of going nonprofit so that they can continue to exist in chicago uh, i'm certainly not privy to all that business negotiations yeah. but they've had all sorts of like ups and downs financially but i think they're kind of like riding out uh the worst of things right now but i know they are soliciting donations so if you guys are are fans of the reader like i am give True. them some money Hell uh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, not man. to be that blade with the plug but i, I got <laughs> it's kind of wild throughout everything and i know a lot of the content is uh, available digitally but that they're still printing out a print edition yeah and that's like uh that's something they're sort of turning into a perk with their whole fundraising is you can they'll mail them to you now if you want to get them sent to you paper copies they'll do that as like a mailing subscription instead of having to get a, a box off the street but yeah i think that goes a long way with with a paper like the reader, right? When it comes to being accessible, you know, it comes down to a lot of people not having easy access to the internet or even having easy access to the same place every night. And so I think like, you know, obviously the reader is, uh, a lot of ways about entertainment and things, but I think, you know, in, in their heart of hearts, they try and look out for the community. And if you can't get access to it in a physical copy that you can like carry with you in a bag, it's, it's not necessarily as accessible to everybody. So I'm glad they're still doing that. And I hope that they can keep, you know, the funding afloat to, to keep that happening for the, you know, foreseeable future. Yeah. There's like a nostalgia factor to it. And then like you just said, it really opens up the accessibility to the, to people being able to read it because at the end of the day, it sounds funny, but there still are a lot of people that don't have consistent access to the internet and it gives yeah. them something dope to actually look at instead of, I don't know what you're looking at if you can't get on the internet or don't have a smartphone. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, and I, it's funny. I, I know this is not, uh, as, common as it used to be but for a while when they were doing print they would have like a front cover and a back cover and the back cover was always like a music cover you know and so that was like a big thing uh as like a status yeah, symbol for a lot that. of artists and stuff too that. you know it would be like you're on the cover 
of the reader, you know. Um, I know they, they obviously still have covers now. A lot of times it's not sort of the, like, sensational kind of Rolling Stone-type artist cover that people might want. But, you know, I think that's something else that hopefully they can bring back is, like, there's some there's some status to it sometimes, depending on what the story is. Uh, if you end up on the cover, it can be kind of cool to have that on, like, a local level, you know? Yeah, it's still. I think it still kind of goes a long way just because of what it's represented prior. Like, oh, my, yeah. one of my super good friends and alumni of the podcast, Roy Kinsey, he got the cover fairly recently, and he was still really stoked, and I was hyped for him just because... I know kind yeah. of what you just talked about, and that used to be a very meaningful thing, and I feel like it still kind of does yeah, hold and that. Then, and then, like, being an artist right now, like, that, like, you look for, you want something, like, see your face in print. You know what I'm saying? It's not often that you get to see yourself in print. Yeah, especially, you know, in the reader's case, like, they put it all over the city. Like, it's mm-hmm. something you can just run and, like, pick up. Uh, yeah, Roy's great. That That album that he put out. Amazing. Crazy. Was that this year? Was that, was that in 2020? <laughs> Are you talking about Blackie or the new one? The new one. Memoir. The new one, the Kinsey uh, Yeah, the new memoir. one. That, that was this year. It was early 2020, I think. But uh, okay, yeah, know, he's came blur, such a but... long way as an artist, man. I'm so happy for him. I've known him for a solid like nine years. We used to be like very, very close. and uh, Oh, that's great. We kind of got a little distant, but when he came into the pod, we just connected just like old days. You know, you know when you have that friend you were really close with, it just doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much time has passed. When you see him, the shit just hits like exactly how it used to you just pick up where you left off so, oh that's great yeah you just like drop back into it yeah you just fall right back in sync yeah, uh, yeah, i got a friend like that uh it's killing me this year because it's not gonna happen but for the past three years i've been i've been going to the pivot gang john walt day show true with a friend of mine from high school that has been like he was in like west virginia one year but he came home for thanksgiving and pivot gang you know he was in like another state you know just like it's been part of a sort of holiday tradition obviously this year uh, not having the show is tough. Um, but that was, it was like when he would get back is it's like, all right, cool. Like right back into things, you know, we're meeting up for dinner and going to the show. And sometimes I'm filling him in on the albums that he missed, you know, if he was just not in tune to stuff when it came out or whatever. But, uh, yeah, my buddy Anthony goes way back. So it's tough not having that this year, but I've been there. Yeah. It's so nice having those like old time, uh, long time friendships like that. Yeah. I think that's how, you know, you have a genuine connection with someone when you can hit that rhythm like that after not seeing them for a while. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Jack, you be you be really having your ear to the streets, man. Because every time I like I like come up on somebody new, and I like go through the Instagram, it's already liked by Jack Reedy. <laughs> <laughs> every single time. Oh man, uh, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad you're getting. That's like some totally 21st century like like detective clues right there. You know? Hell yeah! Like I like when I first when I f- first met like Musa Reams and shit. I was like, oh, he already yo though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Who who's uh who's been some of your favorite Chicago acts to write about? Uh, that's that's crazy. Uh, I think it's hard to like narrow it down because I think yeah, like, no, no, I, no specific order. No, no, no. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's. I will say it's been really fun. I've written about Matt Muse probably three times in two or three years now. Like I, I remember I did an interview with him for his Nappy Talk mixtape. And then, like, a year-ish later, I talked to him for his most recent project, um, Love and Nappiness. Uh, and then, <laughs> not long after that, he did a hair care drive that I know he's doing again right now, where he's gathering, like, uh, hair items and personal care stuff to, to donate to people. Um, and I did a story on that drive specifically. So, like, he's definitely someone that I've written about, I think, the most, and it's been really fun to watch 
him get better not only as an artist but also like just as a community member like the fact that he's launching some of these drives like that uh is really cool to see him sort of like level up all across the board so he's been really great and i'm excited to hear like whatever he has like coming out next um the other one that i'm like really excited about and i just talked to these guys a couple months ago is uh in like a very sort of different realm of sound i would say it's the dcg brothers uh these two guys i think I'm trying to remember. I think they're 19 and 16. They're brothers from Austin and they're living out in LA now because they're like blowing up very fast. And they do this kind of like pop drill thing. It sounds very like, <laughs> like Herbo, but Valet, but they're like high school age. So they're kind of like taunting you the whole time. It's like very fun, um, like turn up type music. And their videos are very fun. Like they were really fun to talk to because they're just like totally all in on the rapper lifestyle immediately as like high school aged kids. So it was like crazy just to talk to them about like what they're up to day to day, you know? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So yeah, they, yeah. I hope they come back to Chicago. I will say that. I think they might be living out uh, on the West coast for a little bit, but definitely, <laughs> definitely glad to talk to them uh, about some of the Chicago influences and stuff too. So that's been a lot of fun, but yeah, man, I don't know. I feel like I'm coming across new stuff like every week, you know, like that's, that's part of what I think is so fun about Chicago and, so rewarding about paying attention to the music is like everybody's got a friend of a friend that they put on their right. project and so you follow that to somebody else you know mm-hmm. hell yeah that, like that, Musa I think I first came across because of that Mick Jenkins feature true hell yeah, yeah which was huge definitely when you're looking for new shit to tap into is that kind of what you're checking for features on other projects or how you how you like searching out, searching out new music I think definitely now that shows aren't a thing I'm checking features way more intensely because for a while that was what was nice about some of these smaller shows, DIY or even in smaller venues like Subtee is like you run into somebody, you know, that makes music and then their friend that they were with would be like their DJ or a singer or, you know, their bass player who's also doing solo shit or whatever. So like, I feel like features now is like the substitute for some of that just like, I guess it's technically networking now that I'm describing it out loud, but like, I hate to call it that, you know, know, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like you used to go meet people. Right. And, uh, so I definitely track features for that. And then otherwise, you know, like, I don't know if, uh, I definitely feel like when I put music on my like Instagram story or something, I'm just like putting songs into the void, but like I do get new shit all the time from just like people I know, posting about it in various channels like especially other musicians like i think that's what's fun about following local artists too is like a lot of times they're very loud about the stuff they're listening to and you know the unique things that they might be tuned into that other people aren't so like i'm always picking up stuff from <laughs> the artists that i'm already listening to too so no nah, like, busy for sure if you got a friend that has good taste in music it's dope when they're throwing shit in their story because you if you don't know it you know yeah, you yo. should probably check that shit out so that's a great i love that that's a feature on instagram and shit because you can find good stuff really easily just knowing someone has good taste in music oh totally and sometimes too it's fun like some of the real like you know hip-hop head type people that i know will post stuff that's like local files you know like that they're not they're not sharing it from spotify it's just like a screenshot of their mm. mp3s you know it's like some some beat tapes or some remixes or some bootlegs or whatever and that's always fun for me because then i can like just do a dm slide of like hey you want to email me a google drive file or whatever mm-hmm. you know i feel like I, I do like to get a little bit of that like 
music swapping sometimes, kind of like that old school uh, MP3 type stuff too. So yeah, I'm I'm very happy people will like broadcast their stuff. Uh, so keep it up, all my cool, all my cool friends and uh, acquaintances. Yeah, definitely. Are you mainly just tapped into hip hop shit? Or are you listening to other genres of music? I, I'm trying to like expand out a little bit more. I feel like I've been paying attention to uh, like dance pop and like sort of that like Dua Lipa, Jesse Ware type sound a little bit lately. I think I've been frustrated being cooped up. So I'm like, yes, heavy pop stuff. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, like I, I try and stay tuned into indie rock cause I have a lot of friends uh, that are just more tuned into rock stuff than I am. So, you know, like I try and pay attention to things like beach bunny and ohm and and uh some of those local bands but really yeah i feel like i stay focused on hip-hop and some of the like r&b adjacent stuff that comes in there which is great because i think there's so much even within like that lane there's so many different styles of rap and hip-hop at this point that i'm always like trying out these different styles and moods even when i'm just listening to rap stuff hell yeah it's really like that for real like everybody there's like seven genres within like trap alone not included like hip-hop and like <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah hip-hop's the same as just like rock and shit now where there's so many subgenres because each of the different sonics make it fall into like its own category hell yeah you know you can't you, like you the thing to, is like you can't get just like you can't compare Dolph to like i don't know cole nah, not you know what I'm saying? They're totally, you can't. <laughs> they make totally different music where before i feel like in like 99 2000 and prior if you listen you say oh i listen to rap music you kind of had an idea of what that music sounded like. Now, if you just say, "Oh, I like hip hop," it can. There's such a. It's such a vast fucking spectrum of music that you don't necessarily know what someone's listening to. Yeah, yeah, and that come from that. And that come from that Cuddy era, era, that Kanye era. They started making different shit. Yeah, I think on a mainstream level, they made it acceptable to make different sounding hip hop music. Hell yeah, especially Cuddy. I feel like the the problem with like the top five question that people go to as like a default rap conversation is that it's going to be like outdated very soon. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. that, that assumes <laughs> yeah. everybody is trying to be just like the best rapper with the best bars and flows and stuff. And it sounds weird to say this, but like, I feel like nowadays there's a lot of people that make rap music that aren't trying to be like a top notch rapper, you know, like yeah. how do you compare someone like Nas to like Sway Lee, oh, you know, yeah. like it's not, you just can't. It doesn't yeah. line up like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that's the reason why these same dudes are still in the top five. Or I'd be very curious to ask a 14-year-old what their top five is. Yeah, because obviously they don't listen to Nas and shit. Nah, they're like, I don't know Nas. But like, the thing is, I didn't. when I was young, I didn't either shit. I knew Nas's new shit. But not until I was getting older, until I was like 26, 27, I started like going back, listen, really listening to old Nas and like then really appreciating it. And art, and all the artists in that like lane, like I didn't, now I go back and listen to old ho way more than I listen to new. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think back in the day too, the top five thing was about oh, who's your top five rappers, aka like lyricist. Now it would just be maybe who's your top five favorite artist, because really, you know, people are more just in an artist spectrum versus rapper. They're not just rappers. You know yeah. what I mean? Because. Yeah, a lot of these people aren't really saying shit. It's just they're making, they're putting the melodies together really well and yeah. making songs that sound good as a whole. Yeah, yo, for real, it's hella. It's like, 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 uh, like JPEG Mafia. You know what I'm saying? 
Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I mean JPEG is in its own like subgenre of hip hop. It's hip hop, but it's not you know what I'm saying? It's not Nas, Cole, fucking Kendrick. It's not that shit. It sounds that, way that's different. That's the shit that makes it so hard to find shit like on Apple Music and like because like like there's nobody you can't categorize what JPEG Mafia is for real within hip hop. There's no button you can like click on there and other artists will come up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. But that's kind of even like that. Like you can't search like sludge metal on Apple Music. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's what I'm saying. You can't search power violence on Apple Music. Yeah, you just got to be in rock. <laughs> you know, it's just fucking crazy. Like, you're, like I think all the hardcore bands and shit are just under rock. Yeah, yeah or they're either on rock or hard rock or metal. Right, that's, right. That's what we got to do, Jack. We got to make a music app where you can really deep dive into these subgenres. We got the parent yeah, folder. Yeah. You can drill down <laughs> into where you're trying to be. You know what I'm always... Yeah, where's my, like, melodic trap? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, shit would get ugly. That exactly, file tree would exactly. be ugly, dude. <laughs> well, what trips me out about, like, the top five conversation back in the day is, like, there was a very good chance that someone was like, oh, big pun, that you would, like, not know who that is. Yeah, or like, Or you'd maybe never heard his stuff because back in the day it was, like, if you had the CD or the song was on the radio. Hell like, yeah. I think that's what's kind of crazy to even try and compare different time periods like that. It's just the way the music came out was so much different, like, you could tell me your top five, and even if I didn't know any of them now, I could come back 20 minutes later with, like, a decent idea. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, the access is there. So it's like, I think it's good, ultimately, if I think people don't feel like they have to be competitive and they can, you know, try new stuff. Like, obviously, there's so many different styles and things. I I do wish that there was some, like, more agreed-upon terms. Like, I feel like we all agreed to trap being, like, its own kind of thing about 10 years ago, and, like, Drill became a label, and now, like, since then, everything is, like, we know there's, like, new sounds, but I feel like there's not quite words for yeah. it yet. You know yeah, what I'm exactly. saying? We're gonna get there. <laughs> exactly, for real. Because when you l- listen to, like, that's just, like, when the Brooklyn Drill came out, and I was just like, what is that? I was like, they calling it Drill, but it's not really Drill, but I don't know any other words <laughs> to describe right, it, so right. we just gonna say Drill. Exactly. That shit is so hard, though. I fuck with that sound <laughs> so much, dude. I love that shit. It just sounds so good over those, like, UK type, like, the UK beats and, like, I don't know. I like all that shit a lot. I love that there's, like, local sounds, too, you know? Like, I think for a while everybody thought, like, because ASAP Rocky was doing chopped yeah. and screwed stuff out of New York that, like, oh, there's no such thing as local sounds anymore but like no way i mean you think about how michigan sounds right now versus brooklyn drill versus you know all these different you know cities having their own sounds at this point i think it's like the best thing in the world it sucks like there's not shows for people to keep like connecting and and working on stuff together obviously but like i like knowing that you can hear a beat and be like oh that mm, that sounds like flint michigan hell yeah you know that's crazy hell yeah but how do you just like in the asap case how do you feel about when somebody not from that region tries to do it and they catch a bunch of shit i think that's kind of corny because that could be the shit people are really obviously asap was really influenced by like the south and texas and shit so why just because you live in new york you can't make that music how do you feel about people catching backlash for doing that Uh, i feel like i don't know i think obviously every artist is going to come out there and say like i'm doing something no one else is doing like you can't top this. Like I'm so unique. Like that's what people do when they put music out. But I think like there's a way obviously to do another sound and another style from another 
region or something like that and to do it respectfully with you know recognizing the people who might have started it like that's something i've talked about with a lot of people that i've interviewed this year is like if you're making chicago drill are you mad about the idea of like new york drill or whatever and i feel like most of the people i've talked to about it have kind of been like yeah like they're doing their own thing you know like it's their thing and and we know that you know there's no like bad blood about this idea of of fighting uh, a whole style or anything like that if you could recognize that like it's its own thing and it's not completely new, you know, erasing the history that came before it. Cause like it, when it comes down to it, I feel like everybody's cross pollinating and all sorts of stuff. Like I think it's very hard to try and draw a line for somebody unless you're like literally stealing <laughs> verses or, or flows or something and an outwardly disrespectful back or something like that. I don't know. I'm not an artist, obviously I'm sure, uh, Perry, you might have a different take on it, but that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll be, oh, go for it. I was gonna say, man, I'm making hot shit, man. I don't even care like what y'all say. <laughs> if it sounds hot, right, I'll put a bacon like, bed. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think that's what artists gotta feel like in themselves. You know, like they gotta yeah, feel yeah. like they can make anything they want, and you know, that's just like when I hit the dance hall flow on that one joint. That shit was hard, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. yeah. That's why I don't even care when Drake tries to act like he's from the UK. I kind of like it. (laughs) He sounds kind of hard on those songs when he gets in that flow. I like that at this point, he's like done that kind of thing long enough that we all kind of accept it. Like, oh, that's Drake's thing is sort of like swooping in and trying out new stuff (laughs) and then, you know, leaving town for something new. So I like that we're all kind of like, yeah, he's doing the UK drill thing now, I guess. And, yeah, he's gonna, you know, next it'll be something else. I think that's hysterical. Like, I, you know, I love that he's doing a song with Dirk, and now Dirk is, I'm sure, like, raking in royalties even far beyond what he was doing before on his own. So, yeah, like, yeah. I love seeing that kind of thing. You know, it, it, it can benefit a lot of artists. So, yeah, like, you know, Drake is Drake, right? He's, like, he's too big to fail. Yeah, what I've been saying about the Drake on the pod forever is that he's – at the end of the day, Drake was an actor. So when he'd be doing this <laughs> shit, he'd just be an actor-rapper now where he's like, I'm going to act like so I'm from good. UK, you know, because he kills that shit. The accents are so good. He's so good at it. Oh, he's like, I'm in this PopCon song. Let me <laughs> let me get in this bag real quick. And he comes from an acting background. <laughs> so I think that's why he can tap into those other flows so well. What's he, irresponsible of him is the demographic of, like, college dudes who will then also imitate the accent. It's all the white idiots that I knew in college when every new Drake song would come out and they would also do the accent. That's the that's the reckoning I think that he doesn't understand is the the sheer amount of people that are gonna also try and do (laughs) (laughs) Is that his fault? Of course not, but you know, that is the ramifications that it has for Drake to, to pick a new accent to try out is everyone every doofus named trevor is gonna give it a try you know uh (laughs) yeah i feel like if drake is really at the end of the day influencing how you carry yourself you need to take a long ass look in the mirror and just reevaluate it like the music's fire but he shouldn't be like like affecting your day-to-day life and the way you act i can't remember who said this i'm gonna have to look this up but i do think it, it it kills me when Gen Z is so corny that they think Drake is the coolest person alive. And I think that, I think that goes a long way. I, I like Drake, but I do think there's something too. like, he is a rapper who's an actor and we've made him the number one rapper. Uh, <laughs> nothing to be done about it. 
he's just too big to fail, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I can't wait till Drake is back in his acting bag and comes in a blockbuster feature film. It's going to be something. like some Will Smith shit. Yeah, he's going to do for sure Independence Day <laughs> 6. We got Drake in there, Drizzy. He's in the, it's Independence Day <laughs> in the UK. He'll be over there doing a show that some shit will pop off. That's the whole premise of the movie. Funny as hell. Yeah, I would love that. I'm surprised it's taken him this long, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's trying to hold on to this music thing as long as possible, which I'm not mad at because it's insane the run he's having, dude. He's on a 10-plus year run and still, like, on top of shit. Yeah, like everything was bigger than the time before. Yeah, so I'm curious how this next album is going to play out in January. I think it's kind of, honestly, a little make-or-break moment for him where if this shit isn't really hot, people might kind of be starting to check out a Drake a little bit. Oh, no. Man. I don't know, though. I think oh, it's going to no. depend, too. Like, if people can't go outside and like enjoy a Drake album in its natural habitat. And this is how I feel about the Megan album too. Uh, you know, some of these songs are meant to be played in like crowded spaces with a whole bunch of people. So I mm -hmm. think, you know, until we can sort of enjoy an unencumbered like summertime or bar or club or whatever, it may be difficult to, to judge these Drake albums, these Megan albums, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the setting is very important to these things. Yeah, yo. Especially for those bigger names and shit, because like they not gonna just try no out the box shit that's gonna make me like listen, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And I think some of the the smaller artists too. Like, there's no way something like Old Town Road could have happened this year. <laughs> yeah, because like Old Town Road, you just heard it everywhere, so it, you kept hearing. You know, it was exactly. like that thing. That that didn't happen this summer. You know, like there was no <laughs> there was no mm -hmm. opportunity for it to set off like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, before we get into this break song and chop up these topics with you, is there anything you got uh, you got coming up that you want to plug, or what's uh, what's next for you in the next in, in the next year, twenty twenty one? Twenty twenty one, we're gonna see. I'm I'm cranking out a lot of stories on local musicians as per usual, and uh, picking out pitches where I can. I'm enjoying being on a podcast such as this to discuss some of the stuff I've been working on. So thank you. But yeah, I'm just gonna try and keep paying attention to music and putting on good people and trying to hopefully put a spotlight on some, some good talent here in Chicago. So nothing to, uh, did it just cut out? Did it cut out? You guys hear me? You yeah, guys hear me? Oh shit, there it goes. Oh shit, I'm sorry. It's like the call drop for a second. Yeah, right. that was really strange. We, we can chop that out. Anyway, so just pick up. <clears throat> Yeah, thanks for having me to come by and talk about the stuff I've been working on. I'm just going to keep making stories about uh, local artists, hopefully, and covering stuff that needs covering in Chicago. And if you're an editor listening to this, please send me an email back and we'll we'll work out a story. So thank you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if anything, this time in life has given us uh, a good time to deep dive into music because you're just at the crib chilling. So I'll be listening to so many different things that... I probably wouldn't have if I was busy just at work, like in the office every day. So, right, right. It's like you can just kind of DJ your whole life from your apartment for the time being, which is like a weird environment to spend months in, but it is like a silver lining, I think, of everything else. Yeah, you got to find the positives in it because it'd be real easy just to dwell on everything negative right now. So, you got to find those silver linings. Yeah, you got to. I've been I've been spending my money on records and playing them very loudly. So, you know, like doing the best I can here, build myself a little wax fortress. Yeah, that's the main reason I never got into collecting vinyl is because I have such a vast like 
love of music. I'm into so many different genres and I couldn't even, my bank account could not afford collecting vinyl because I'd want everything on vinyl and it'd be nuts. Man, it's just like carrying that shit. That should be heavy as fuck. Oh, when you move. move I regret it every time I move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's tough. But I don't buy shoes, so this is my, this is my uh, closest thing to my sneakerhead fix is my little Discogs app. So, right. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that for sure. <laughs> All right, word. And let's get into the breaking and chop up some of these topics. Let's get it. Yes, sir. Before we get back with my man Jack Reedy, you know I got to hit y'all with some hot shit of the week like I always do. But before we get into that track, I want to remind y'all to subscribe to our Patreon, man. We're going to have exclusive content on there just like my new show, The Loft, that's going to be on there every week, man. You also can get our all of our new merch as soon as it drop. I send that shit straight to you, man. But without no further ado, I want to get into my man Kali. He just dropped a new song called "So Approximate." Here it go, right here. Let's get it. Skirt. Make the generation go down Ain't no litigation for my situation, no how Everything get trickles from the top, then gotta go south Folks rocking old flags like they got some know-how uh, We gon' go in, and we gon' go out Came, notice you honing on a response to, to, 
Yeah, so we back. We back, man. I'm going to go over some topics with my man, Jack Reedy, man. <laughs> so, Jack, I seen you. Uh, I heard you touch on the Megan album in the first half of the pod. So we can start right there. Megan Thee Stallion dropped uh, her debut album, Good News. Her debut. Right. They be, they be calling everything a they fucking really debut, her now. debut They really do. They really do. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, I, got, like, I think seven it's albums like a, out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, like, a marketing term. I don't know. Uh, that shit's I funny mean, like, as hell. It is marketing. Yeah, you know, whatever whatever they got to do to get your eyeballs on it, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I heard it uh, when it came out yesterday. I was like, I wasn't like spinning it right away on Thursday at midnight or anything like that. But again, like I was home and it was midnight on a Thursday. Like I wasn't going to spin some like really crazy like nightclub party jams, you know, mm. while my girlfriend and my cat are sleeping. You know? <laughs> so I think that the setting is difficult to evaluate it, but like, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I've been a Megan fan for a while. I interviewed her back in 2018. Um, when she was still like going to school Damn, during the day. Real? Yeah. I like, I like emailed her mom when her mom was still with us. Wow. Uh, rest in peace to her mom who was her manager for a long time. Um, yeah, like I, you know, like I emailed like Megan the Stallion at Gmail or whatever. And like, we set it up when she was still doing everything independently and everything. So I interviewed her for the Tina Snow mixtape. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that like my favorite one by her. I think it still is for me. I think part of it is because I played it so much in the process of uh-huh. <laughs> uh, working on the story. Um, and so like, I, I've been very excited to like see her become super famous very quickly uh because she's very talented and i think her music is great i think like uh every project she's put out has been quality and there's been a lot of hits on it that show off some range i think this project is the same thing i think it's a lot of good good songs on there i don't know if like every single one is something that i'm going to come back to per se but it's also like 17 tracks something like that you know i think it's the way people put out albums now. If you're like a big rapper is, you know, it's like yeah. here's 15, 17 tracks. And like, if you skip a couple, who cares? You know? Hell yeah. Yeah. I ain't listening to it yet, but I'm looking at the track list right now. I'm, I'm excited to see this, uh, this popcorn one. Is the popcorn one hard. That okay. one. <laughs> yeah. That one was like very funny to me that she had a song <laughs> called intercourse. Like, it's just very <laughs> like, that's who Megan the Stallion is, right? Like she's, 
she is who she is rapping about sex. Uh, yeah, that one was like a little bit different for her. Like it's kind of in a more of like an Afro beats kind of sound that yeah. she hadn't really tried out as far as I had heard. Uh, I liked it. Um, I like her for more of the like kind of straight down the middle, like Southern rap kind of party stuff. You know, I love when she basically sounds like a female pimp C, sure. which I know she's trying to do all the time. Uh, so that's like really, I think, like my favorite of the stuff she does. So for me, like I thought the City Girls track was great. I thought the SZA track was great. Oh yeah, like, I was gonna no say su- the SZA one good. <laughs> no surprise, she has like great chemistry with them, which is really cool. Mm. Um, I was a little disappointed in the track with Dirk uh, because I kind of thought she was gonna go for like a drill type sound, whether it's like Chicago or Brooklyn, uh-huh. and it was it was kind of more like, it's closer to like a duet because Dirk does a lot of the Yeah, when he do the singing shit. Well, that makes sense. You know Dirk be doing the singing shit. Yeah, so it's kind of like, it's not like a rap feature from him even. It's sort of like, it was almost like kind of an interesting gender flip, right? Like, I feel like the formula for so long was like, you got a hard male rapper and then the female singer doing a hook and like, Mm -hmm. Dirk is obviously kind of rapping with his delivery and, you know, he's not singing uh, like full on singing, but he kind of, does the hook in that song in a way that makes it more like a like an old school duet to me so i liked it it wasn't kind of what i was you know i would have loved to hear her do some sort of like pop smoke type thing or even some like old school dirt chicago drill stuff but yeah i like that one um that's interesting that you say that like that gender swap shit like that do go hard now that i think about it for real because i can I'm, i'm like going through like female like rappers and trying to think when they ever have like r&b dudes on the hook i know dreezy got one but like with like uh, what's his name? Dreezy in uh, fuck Jacquees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. That was a great track. That's like an yeah. interesting dynamic for real. <laughs> totally, totally. It was like for yeah, real, like, and- like way back in the day, was always like the girl on the hook. Yeah. Oh, that was the formula. That's back the formula. In the day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That formula worked well for a really ja long time. Got all his money. Yeah. It was like every Ja Rule hit was like Baltimore a really quality Ashanti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny that Ja Rule really worked that formula for so like, long. And they just kept like, hitting. Even like street niggas used to work that formula. Like They'd have Cassidy, one record on like every Cassidy song. Like Cassidy and yeah. shit, Lil Flip and shit. Yeah. <laughs> They'd have one song. With this Megan project, <clears throat> I've been I've been really fucking with Megan for a long time too. I feel like this project is the, like you said, Megan Thee Stallion is getting really famous project. It sounds that way. It doesn't sound like the, the Tina Snow shit. There, it sounds a lot more polished and we're really trying to uh, get this out to the masses to me. So Yeah, I don't think it sounds as necessarily like distinctly Southern as some of her older stuff. No. Um, but that's also hard to assess because, I mean, I think so much of like what we would think about as like blockbuster mainstream rap beats is going to sound like adjacent to probably Atlanta or Memphis or Houston. Um, so I think like, yeah, I think it's very clear that like, this is the album she's going to make after she does a track with Beyonce and after she does a track with Cardi mm-hmm. and with Nikki, like she's making hits on hits on hits here. Um, but like the other thing too, that I think is obviously going to get a lot of attention coming out of it is like some of the, the real life diss track type stuff she does early on in the project when she addresses like the Tory Lane's attack oh, on the intro uh, song. I thought that was kind of corny for real. <laughs> Really? See, I yeah. thought it was a cool, like, I, I kind of like that she opened with it to sort of like, like, I know this is what you guys are going to yeah, be listening exactly. for. And I kind of like that she, yeah, she like took him out right away, <laughs> you know, like track one. I like that. Yeah, that's how I would hope it would be track one, because you already know that's what everybody want to hear. You might as well just get it out <laughs> the way. 
Yeah, but it wasn't even like she was like addressing it in a clever bar kind of way. It was literally like her word for word is like telling the story like you was in the back seat. This did it was just kind of not a good song to me. I was like, this is super made. But I mean, I get it. You knew she had to talk about it, but I feel like as she always talks about, I write my own raps. I I make these rap songs. I feel like you could have came up with a way more clever bars to to address the situation versus she really just kind of wrapped the story of what we've all heard already, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I wonder if it's something that is maybe going to, I wonder if it's going to stick as a strong opener in the years to come, or if it's going to kind of seem like a sort of a dated uh, connection or not. But I, I mean, I think that may be what she's hoping for. You know what I mean? Imagine if that's the main thing people know about Tory Lanez in 10 years. I don't think that's how it'll go down. I think he's too popular at this point to totally be a footnote. But like, I think she would be very happy if this was known as like, oh, this is the track that, you know, that could be her takeover yeah. or whatever. But the thing, you know? that's why I don't understand this debut shit. Cause like, I don't think anyone's gonna, when, when we look back, at Megan Thee Stallion's career, this is not going to be where we'd be like, oh, I remember when she first came out her debut. Wasn't I don't think <clears throat> anyone will ever think that. That, that, last, <laughs> that last project, that Sugar project, that was on the major label. That should be her debut yeah. project. Like she dropped Hot Girl Summer. Like This is not her debut. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, wasn't Hot Girl Summer on Sugar? Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. yeah that, that's her like that. debut album. I mean, they just do it. If your shit doesn't do the numbers they want, they'll just be like, fuck it, your next one will be your I just don't understand how they can justify calling it that. They can do what? It's like when Budweiser calls himself the king of beers. Ain't nobody ever... <laughs> <laughs> they ain't the real king of beers. They can just say whatever the fuck they want. I feel like a lot of it is that kind of like stand online culture type stuff. Like every so often I'll kind of stumble across that either probably on Twitter, occasionally like on Reddit where you see like, you know, diehard fans of people communicating. And like a lot of times, like people love those kind of like meaningless certifications that like labels or PR people will come up with where it's like, you know, the first time that a song featuring two female artists has been in the top five of the yeah. iTunes R&B charts. <laughs> and like, obviously all victories for women are victories for all of us. But like, I think they like to pump out some things that are kind of just like exciting things. The stands can repeat to themselves where it's like a debut project or a, it's a debut mixtape or, you know, whatever. And yeah. I think, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. I think you're totally right, Perry. Like, I don't think anybody is ever going to be like, I remember when Megan really like, showed up. With good news. Megan's first, like, Megan's first album was so hot. Video now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I think what, if anything, I think people will look back and be confused by the timeline. Cause like, I think one thing that's kind of unique about her and speaks to her career as like sort of a internet era rap star is like a lot of her big hits have not been on her project. Like, I don't yeah. think Hot Girl Summer was on Suga cause I think it was technically a like a co-track with Nicki. And like, didn't Nicki get on the remix? Nah, Nicki was, was on the originally first, Yeah, it was originally Nicki. Uh, I remember because I was in LA when that shit came out with Bailey. You know they was playing. And that. then WAP is like a co-track with Cardi, so it's not on Good News. You know, it's like yeah. she's had these. She's had a lot of hits that are like just singles on their own, which is like just how people work nowadays. But like, I feel like it's not the same kind of old school idea of like even as recently as someone like Kendrick putting out Good Kid, Mad City, and we're kind of like, okay, yeah, that's the big debut. I don't think, like, someone like Megan is really going to do that. I mean, think about someone like Lil Baby. Like, would you talk about Lil Baby's debut? 
probably not. He's yeah. had like a bunch of tapes and stuff, and right. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets really cloudy, like muddy, when you got a shitload of mixtapes because we. I always looked at it as like your first like major label. That's what I would that's think. What I would yeah, all, that's sure. what I would always think. But like this shit don't make that. That's not even that. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Sugar definitely came out on the major. So That's funny as hell. So Jack, did it you- gets tricky too. Like labels sometimes will not want you to know whether an artist is signed to them at the right time. Like they take some of that stuff to some of that like cloak and dagger thing sometimes where they'll try and sign people behind the scenes. So I think like a lot of it just ends up being like the label trying to push a certain certain image of where a career is at or where it is not at based on what's actually happening. So, you know, it is what it is. It's all marketing. Everything's marketing. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, that's big facts. And if you actually just genuinely love music, all that shit is so like lame when you really think about it. You're like, man, I just want to hear the, the shit that my favorite artists are making. But I get like, that's the business side of it, you know? Yeah. And that's like, I think, sometimes coming across some of that like stand discussion online is like kind of enlightening. Cause I'm like, either you guys are in high school or you're like devoted <laughs> enough to this that you can spend your, you know, adult time on this. But like, I don't have the energy to be online, like doing research for oh, my man. fight with another artist stands. You know what I mean? Like I can't be looking up Megan facts to Pokemon card battle. With, like, <laughs> online, you know? And like, that's just, you know, people occupy themselves, whatever, and, like, yeah, for me, it's, I think it's ultimately the music and, like, obviously the bullshitting-type conversations that you get in, like, podcasts and IRL settings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely, no. I feel you. So, did, so go for Oh, it. go ahead, go ahead. Did you, uh, did you get a chance to watch that Gucci versus Jeezy, the verses? I, I did not see it live. I, I kind of watched the highlights after the fact. Um, what did you guys think? I, I'm not a like diehard fan of either by any means. I honestly feel like I was a little too young for them or like tuned in at the wrong time. Cause I feel like I knew about them as legends more than like super vital people. Uh, I feel like I missed their peaks in some ways, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, it looked like it was heated, uh, but everybody had a good time by the end of it. I don't know. what do you guys think? Honestly, honestly, I went in hoping I went in being like, "Oh yeah, Gucci Mane finna go crazy for real," and that was not the case. In no, my I opinion, knew Jeezy was about to smoke. My opinion, ass. like it's because like I came to realize that Gucci is more of a street figure. You know what? Like, he's done more for the game. You know what I'm saying? He's done more for for trap music and hip hop for real. Even though I know they say uh, Jeezy like coined it. You know what I'm saying? Him and Ti, but I feel like Gucci didn't do it more in the culture. But, like, Jeezy a better musician, man. His souls just hit harder. <laughs> yeah, their music just hits different because the thing about it is um, with with Jeezy and Gucci, that wouldn't even be, like, such an iconic versus if they didn't just hate each other. They don't really <laughs> – they don't make the same kind of yeah. shit. I think the verses need to be more aligned with, like so, – Like a Brandy and Monica versus. They make the same music. So it's really, like, which of these songs is better? Gucci, like, mm-hmm. if you're really in, like, the trap shit setting and some Gucci comes on, it's going to hit different than maybe a Jeezy song. So for background for the, for the listeners, man, I got to tell them the legend, the legend of Gucci versus Jeezy. Yeah, because that's why this shit tell is so him, crazy. So to sum it up, some shit happened in the streets, right? Right when uh, Jeezy first started popping with the first wave of like trap music and shit. It was right after So Icy. Yeah, I'm saying Gucci came came right after, you know what I'm saying? Derivative of like T.I. And, and Jeezy, you know what I'm saying? So they did the So Icy together. And then, I don't know, some shit happened in the streets. And uh, Jeezy had sent some hitters. <laughs> 
to Gucci's crib and Gucci ended up like killing one of these dudes, which was like Jeezy's friend. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, they've hated each other ever since. It's been 20 years, y'all, to sum up the story. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think either one of those dudes should have been even down to do this. If but it's good, I feel like it's good for hip hop, man. Because the way we need to stop, we need to stop being on this shit for real. If one of my friends actually loses their life over some shit we got going on, for, for no bag or culture, am I ever being in a room with you? You know what I mean? Whether whether Jeezy sent them to kill him or not, the, neither one of them should have been down to do this. Like that shit just crossed the line of like it wasn't like a damn you dated this girl after I hit or something. That's like somebody you were close with yeah. lost their life over this shit. You know what I mean? I wouldn't. Nah, this shit isn't happening. I feel like it was just for hip hop itself, so people could like have something positive to look at, especially in this like time. Like that's some shit I never thought would have ever happened. No, nah, because they legitimately, for a good reason, fucking hate each other. You know what I mean? Not some petty shit. And then, and then, when I first heard this, I was like, Gucci could never play the truth. I was like, he could never play that song. It's probably in the contract, and of course he played it. But like. The thing is, the thing is about it when he played it, like neither one of them played more than one verse to a song. You notice that whenever yeah, a song yeah. came, they played one verse. Gucci played the whole two verses. It's the only song he did that on. And I was like, damn, people not even gonna notice that with that. He did that on purpose. He had to do that on purpose. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about go dig your homie up. Like that's yeah, fucking crazy. Like, he don't even say that in the first verse. That's all. That's, like he probably, if he gonna do it, he probably just gonna do the first verse like he did every other song. He let the song ride until you know he really hit the peak part of yeah. that second verse. Yeah. yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but I felt like I felt like Jeezy handled it handled it better than I thought anyone could have handled it. Like. I was thinking, I was like, damn, what is he going to say? Like, what is he going to come back and say? You said you thought it was corny. I just think, I don't even think they should have did it, honestly, man. I think the, the shit that happened between them, I don't care about some money or some culture. I think you just need to leave each other alone. You know what I mean? That's just, that's too much. And that's why Gucci was like, oh, I got the, my outfits 10000 That's because when Jeezy sent the dude to kill him, he paid him 10 bands. That's why he was saying my outfit's 10000 right now. Like, I'm still here and I'm rocking a $10,000 outfit. Yeah, like, this dude literally sent somebody to murder you. You know what I mean? Like, and then, like, <laughs> and then like, like, Gucci, like, went to court. He was, like, went to court over that, but it was, like, ruled as self-defense. Like, because it was self-defense. Like, books. like yeah. that shit really happened. That shit is crazy for real. Yeah, that's wild. Did you hear how it all went down? No. So, I thought it was like, <laughs> I think I have. <laughs> yeah, so basically they had this girl like roll up on Gucci at like a club or something. This like chick and she was like, yeah, you trying to go? And he's like, bet. He went back to the crib with homegirl. So when he murdered, dude, he was butt ass. Cause yeah, he, I, was say, I heard he was like in his robe or something. Yeah, he was like, like, fu like, like fucking the girl and he had like a shotgun under his bed and they busted up in his room and he pulled the shotgun out and just murdered, dude. <sighs> like, so Gucci's a real one for sure, but... I don't know, man. I don't think I'd be doing some like Life is a let's movie. play some songs with you now. Twenty years later, I mean, man. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, that's how. So I was just gonna say, like, I feel like I kind of came into that understanding of that whole situation backwards because I'm a big fan of Freddie Gibbs. Oh and yeah, so he <laughs> he has like you know sort of beef with, led beef from the side Jesse. throughout all of this, but especially yeah over the past like you know several albums he's had like lots of shots at Jeezy, and that has meant like several you know like friendly references to Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was like that was how I got familiar with it was like knowing that Gibbs was 
simultaneously, like kind of going at GZ at the same time. So like, that's where it came down to for me, knowing that they were matched up was like, aside from obviously their personal stuff was like, well, I like Gucci in general more than I like Jeezy, and I really like Freddie Gibbs. So I guess I would be, you know, Gucci was like my home team for that that versus in spirit. But you were uh, Brick Squad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like for the for the evening, yeah. Um, but you know, like I think the fact that they did it at all and like seemingly went off without a hitch is like I think great news. I was like, to be honest, pretty bugged out by like a lot of people I saw talking about it online. That seems like very eager for a fight to break out like yeah I, that, that felt very like uh i don't know bad i didn't like that so yeah. <laughs> i i hope people weren't watching just expecting these dudes to like actually fight each other but i'm glad it like went down you know yeah it went down apparently smoothly. audaciously but you know they they wrapped it up all all yeah, and they, per- like they that. performed so, that song together at the end. That's that when I turned it off. off yeah. I was like, th- I looked at, I was like, this is a great moment for hip hop. That made me happy, man. That's funny. Yeah, that was like a highlight <laughs> the next day for me. That was cool, you know. Hell yeah! It was like the thing is because like even like when I was thinking about Gucci Mane music, I was like going into it, I was like Gucci Mane gets all the slaps you get, but like next up to some of these Jeezy songs, like yeah, it just don't hit the same. It don't hit the same, and you know why a l- big. P- portion of wives that gucci like was making real trap like home studio shit back in the day so those are some of his biggest hits so when he played those songs can next to the jeezy studio recorded back in those days so like they don't, just don't even hit as hard bro he played like some rough cut shit that wasn't even mixed yeah like, you're the like, first what the one fuck? This, <laughs> this shit sound mad lo-fi right? yeah yo and then jeezy would just come on like Stent gangster music or all there when he played all there like G uh Gucci Man played Bricks and I was like damn Bricks might be unbeatable. No, then he came with the bankroll feature. <laughs> and then he came with the bankroll feature. I was like, damn. Uh, <laughs> Gucci was talking so spicy the whole time though. He was. He was for real. I was like, shit. Jeezy's very mature, because I, I don't know if I could just sit there and let someone talk that spicy to me yeah, for an yo. hour and a half. Yeah, I seen him in the chair mad as hell. Yeah, you know inside. But Jeezy is a TV host now, you know? Like, he is a a calm, cool, uh, you know, established mainstream figure. I'm sure he... He just got, like, some some job with, uh, like, Def Jam or some shit like that. He's, like, a... Yeah, he's an executive for Def Jam now. Which is dope, Oh, yeah? Okay, well, there you go. That's fire when... I think that's great, man. I hope that starts to happen more often for rappers where they, you know, they have a good run and then they get some kind of position with the label or something. Because what are you really supposed to do after your five-year rap career, you know? So Yeah, I think that's like a lane a lot of people could pick up. It seems like there was a wave of people that did it. Like, I know Scarface had a big role with Def Jam South for a while um, when they were first kicking that off, and I think that definitely succeeded for them, so... Yeah, I think that's, like, a viable, you know, and I feel like a lot of people, in some cases, like, you know, they put together albums with so many damn features anyhow, it's, like, clearly you're a people person, you know, like, <laughs> I think a lot of, a lot of artists can make that happen for themselves, like. <laughs> well, shit, man. You, uh, you got anything else, man, that you wanted to get into before we get up out of here? Oh, yeah, I actually wanted to talk about this. I see, uh, I think you dropped this on the list here, Jack. You dropped the We All We Got Stevie Wonder joint they just put out. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Did you guys see those? Yeah, I mean, I follow that a lot. I follow all the the Fat Tiger shit. You know, I'm super into apparel and stuff, so I follow all that stuff. So I, I was hyped when you put that on there. How are you feeling about that uh, that Stevie Wonder joint? That was great. So I like 
have very much retreated into wearing the same clothes that I've had. You know, like I have not been buying new stuff for the most part because I'm not going anywhere. But that one was great. I I love that Stevie Wonder song in particular. Um, they're like the We All We Got, obviously, is like great brand with a good slogan, but. They put Don't You Worry About a Thing on the shirt, which is one of my favorite tracks from Stevie off of um, Inner Visions. And uh, that combined with like kind of the retro like 70s graphic, uh, you know, that was like the closest I'm sure I'll get to like Stevie Wonder merch. Plus it was like a local design and stuff. So I was like all over that once I saw it. That was, I think I like happened to see it right when they posted that it was dropping. So I totally like sprung on it and I'm wearing that all the time now. It's, I think as it starts to get colder out too, I'm going to be like my yellow t-shirt, a little bit of sunshine. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, you bring that, bring that vibrant color out. Do you, do yeah, you, do yeah. you follow every, all the other stuff they do like Rello and Joe and all those dudes? Yeah. I try and stay up with them. I, I will say, I guess the stuff that I have been buying has mostly been t-shirts. I know I got, uh, I topped the, the eat the rich, uh, fundraiser shirt they did. I think in like April, uh, that was like the sale of the shirt was meant to, fundraise for different food pantries and things i can't remember it's one of the fat tiger designers put that one out yeah that was um, brother i got that shirt too yeah that's like a great shirt to wear in public right because like nine times out of ten somebody's gonna see it and kind of like give you like a thumbs up because they are also you know a member of the proletariat and then like every so often you'll come across like some slightly older rich person who will like give you a glare and you're just kind of like okay you're the enemy and that's fine you know it's like good to have that kind of uh you know, solidarity when you're out and about, uh, rocking that kind of merch. <laughs> yeah. I love when designers can come through with the uh, merch that kind of has a, have, has a message behind it, but still you're, you're hyped on the design. You know, it's not just in your face, like blah, blah, blah. It's like they flipped it with the fruit cause it's for the, the food for the good cause. It still has the message. Right. I, I mean, I love that when people can kind of do two birds with one stone, give you something where you aesthetically are hyped to wear it. And it still does have a message tied into it. Yeah, and I know, like, the Fat Tiger guys are obviously, like, not uh, some deep-cut designers in the city or anything like that. But I will say, uh, hearing Joe Freshgoods talk about, like, the storytelling thing that is, like, really important to him when he does designs, I know at first I was kind of like, all right, sure, man. Yeah, you tell stories. Like, okay, but you're designing t-shirts, right? But, like, having bought so many of his shirts over the past couple years, I remember the stories that are built into these things, you know, like, and in some cases they have had charities associated with them or whatever. And, uh, you know, like my skepticism in terms of that is like totally gone. You know, I, I, I see how these guys kind of do build in that community and the stories and the stuff they put out, which is, which is super great. Uh, if I can do another like super spontaneous plug, uh, there's a shadowy cabal with some friends of mine called the night gallery that have been doing some great drops lately for t-shirts. Uh, including they did a collaboration with this uh, florist on the South side of Chicago called Southside blooms, where oh. they sold a shirt and gave all the profits to this uh, black owned florist. Um, so they've been doing some great stuff. They're called the night gallery, um, which again, I think is like really cool. Not only like the designs are great. They're doing a lot of sort of like retro, like nineties, goth industrial rock band sort of repurposing stuff. Um, but like in a lot of cases, it's going right back to the community, which is awesome. So I'm like, very happy to see people like using the stuff they're good at for the powers of good you know hell yeah man yeah definitely i think what i've seen too over this time is a lot of people using their art skills to uh do the best they can to help out with the weird time we're in right now Mm -hmm. which is great because you know using creativity to also help out a cause is dope man it's a win-win 
Yeah, that's what I think is so crazy about musicians sometimes, to be honest. And, like, especially nowadays when you can do so much on your computer, it's like, you know, you think about it, somebody spends some time making some stuff on their computer and, like, making some noise to a microphone, and then all of a sudden they're, like, making a bunch of money off it. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's some magic right there, I think, you know, in some level. And so I've, I've always had, like, this this weird sort of respect for the, the music releasing process because in a lot of ways just sort of just, like, taking nothing but your thoughts and turn it into something that, that people get into and, and put money behind too. So if you can then turn that and spend that money in a good cause and like improve the community around you, like I'm all in for it. So that's like, that's what I'm all about. Jeez. I'm like, I'm soapboxing hard y'all, but I, I'm all touchy feely about the music scene now. Yeah, <laughs> it's been no. so long since I've been to a show. <laughs> well, shit, Perry, you, uh, you, you just spit some raps and then you gave, uh, what my block, my hood, like two grand or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yo, that was crazy. That's ridiculous, y'all. man. That shit yeah, was you're insane, totally the I, <laughs> I thought I was going to get like, I thought we were going to get like $500. I didn't uh, even think that for real. Yeah. People were fucking with it for real, man. Yeah, so think about that. Yeah. You, you you rap some shit. You like to rap. Yeah. That's your one of your creative passions. And I was like, damn, what can I do? Like, and you as, were able to get as give. Perry, like, what can I do for real? Like, I ain't got guap to just like put straight in there, but I can help do like what I, what I can. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, man, an organization like that during a time that we're in, two grand is significant. It's the most you know? I've ever sold. <laughs> yeah, that's dope, man. That's a, that's a good contribution. I, if you your inner your inner Perry should be proud of yourself, man. That's dope. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I think, like... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I'm talking about right there, you know? Like, I mean, you got all sorts of processes, I'm sure, behind how you make your stuff. At the end of the day, it's like, you got an idea, and you flesh it out, you put it up on the internet, and all of a sudden you're getting money for it and put it towards a good cause. Like, that's some alchemy-type shit right there to me. You know, I I take that very seriously. So you should be proud of that money, man. That's crazy. I, like, there have been enough cool success stories like that in Chicago lately that the fact that you did one slipped my mind momentarily, but two grand is nuts. I hadn't even heard that total amount, man. Yeah, that's, yo. That's really, <laughs> it was really cool. insane for real. Thanks, yeah. man. Man, we're all proud that's of you. That's amazing. Yeah, congratulations, man. That, that's really nuts. Yeah, for sure. Well, shit, man. Jack, don't be, a, don't be a stranger to the pod. This is our first time meeting. It's been a great convo. If you ever in the future got some shit you want to talk about, you're more than welcome to just, you know, hit us, be like, yo, I'm trying to yeah, call in, chop it up about this. Yeah, Icky is very much one of those dudes who will put me on the stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will I will just pluck the new interest right out of the stuff he's putting on his story and things. So, yeah, it's crazy. We'll having these great uh, long phone calls. We'll have to meet face to face sometime once it's all safe and everything. But I appreciate you guys having me come by and kind of just talk some shit about music and you know all the stuff that's going down it's really nice to it's nice to speak to people period obviously <laughs> and it's nice to chop it up with some dudes who know what they're talking about so i, I really appreciate it hell yeah, yeah man. man same bro it was great same. to talk to you to meet you and um, i'm hyped on what you're doing man keep that moving hey thank you yeah i really appreciate that it's nice to hear that it can be uh a little tough to post some articles into the void sometimes when you're not out and about in uh in the shows and things like that so yeah, no, just hearing know that really means a lot in. thank you yeah people are always tapping in man just know it's not going it's not falling on deaf eyes or whatever however you want to say it. <laughs> Hell yeah. i love that that's a great turn of phrase yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you man sure. really appreciate that well this is episode 70 of the face value podcast thank everybody for tuning in hell yeah y'all already know man go follow our shit subscribe to our shit comment our shit man shout out to patreon list man trish the dish man big chuck trizzy Big Gideon, my man, baby daddy caddy, man. Let's go. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, y'all. I'll talk to you soon. Sick. <laughs>
Woo. Hell yeah, man. Oh, he's still on here. Oh, he gone. Yeah, I hung up. All right, cool. <laughs> what you want? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's the end of the conversation. What you want? <laughs> Hell yeah, decent. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Oh shit.